0: Hello and welcome back to Crypto Sapiens. I am your host, Humpty Calderon. And today we are talking to Corey Whitaker, Executive Director at ENS. We open with an introduction to Corey and his background in the education space, and then quickly continue with a conversation about the importance of communicating ideas and values about Web3 and DAOs to people outside of our circle of crypto enthusiasts and advocates. Corey says, we need to surface use cases that the world needs. And in addition adds, we need to create on-ramps with practical use cases. And then quotes ENS as one of these use cases. And I would agree, ENS definitely makes uh, crypto a lot more fun. As our digital identity, it makes it more interesting and easier to use. We close the conversation on one of the latest proposals where the ENS DAO community voted to elect fund managers to manage the ENS endowment. As usual, there's lots to unpack here. So without further ado, let's get started.
1: Sure, sure. So Humpty, thanks so much uh, for the invite and uh, happy to spend some time with you here uh, discussing Web3, crypto, ENS, and all all that's happening now uh, in our world and in our, our space. Uh, but my my journey here on the earth began in Jamaica. So I was born in Jamaica, w- West Indies, and. Um, Pretty large extended family. My mom was one of eleven. My dad, one of five. And all the families we traveled together. for. so, so from Jamaica, we moved to Michigan. Michigan to Southern California. That's kind of where uh, where I where I grew up. I've always considered myself and see myself as an early adopter. Uh, Love technology from 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 very very young young age. And um, in college, I studied economics. After that, I actually went into teaching. So I joined the Teach for America movement and taught fifth grade uh, in Long Beach Unified uh, in California for, for a couple of years. Eye-opening experience um, and kind of set the tone for the next journey in my career. But after that, I, I, I worked for a startup uh, in California, education-related startup, um, working with colleges and universities to help improve the student experience. And I think I was employee, lucky number 13, and did uh, many, many things at that company um, from working directly with students, doing consulting projects, started and ran the recruiting department, ended up doing business development um, for, the, for them as well. And um, I actually did some policy work uh, in the education space here here in Florida for a time as well. Um, But at one point in my career, I I decided that I I wanted to create a network of schools serving under resourced communities here uh, in the U S but knew I wasn't going to go back and be a teacher again or go back and be a principal or that sort of thing. But how do I get the knowledge, skills and abilities to be able to um, operate and run um, a school system? So I joined the board of an organization called lighthouse academies. And um, after that, uh, I was asked to throw my hat in the ring to become the president and CEO. Why
0: don't you uh, just keep telling us about that
1: Sure sure so um, in in that role uh, you know running a, a network of, of schools responsible for mission vision values and commercial real estate where all of the, the students were um, really uh, strong and robust governance regime a national, governing board regional governing boards uh, dealing with local politicians and influencers and that sort of thing so it was uh, quite a complex multi-state organization and as you may know charter schools for whatever reason are, are political and controversial here in, in the US uh, so a lot of action happening um, in that in that role and I was saying you know in the in, in the nighttime right? Very interested in in technology, uh, very interested in where the internet was was going, and when Bitcoin came on the scene, and then later Ethereum, I was super skeptical because of my prior experience with eGold and ePalladium. Uh, but you know, one of the technologies that we were looking at, uh, or I should say, programs that we were looking at in the school system was a uh, student information system, right? And I started to think about wait. How can you create a student information system based on distributed ledger technology? Right. Um, and around this time, Bitcoin was running up. I think it was December of 2017, maybe. So I started to dig into the the technology. That was what I was really curious about, and just the potential use cases of having uh, this permissionless, worldwide ledger that everyone can have visibility to and access to. Like, what is the potential of of that? You know, I started thinking about, uh, in terms of the education space, putting badges, credentials, certifications on chain, you know, kind of moving from a K through 12 space into a higher ed space and then into the, the career space and workforce and sort of how do you certify that someone has achieved a a particular goal or a certification and thinking about the consensus mechanisms of of blockchains and what that could do for, you know, an educational credential. Yeah. So I started to to geek out about um, all those, those possibilities. And as I was nearing the the end of my, my term at the last company decided, you know what, I I want to get into web three. I want to get into the the crypto space um, in a, in a full-time capacity. So how do I go about, about doing that, right? So I continued to learn. Um, like many of us, I, I started the D, to degen. So I went down that route and, you know, made decisions I wouldn't recommend, but learned a lot, learned the importance of safety and security uh, in interacting with, with these protocols. And so I um, made my way to Circle, Circle Internet, Internet Financial, the, the operator of USDC. And uh, launched uh, a research and sourcing initiative uh, that they had, and then I noticed that Enes was looking for a leader, uh, an executive director, and I already got my my dot e. Um, you know, I was actually involved a lot in domain trading in the early two thousands as, as well. Um, so I said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, this looks like a, a great fit." Um, so um, threw my hat in the ring, and six months later. Here we are chatting.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for the comprehensive introduction. I really enjoyed kind of hearing how some of what you were working on um, and contributing to in your traditional work uh, kind of sparked an interest because of some potential applications there, right? I heard Mm -hmm. you also talking about like educational credentials, which is something that I'm completely geeking out about myself. Mm -hmm. I personally, Mm -hmm. the lens that I explore that from, and maybe you've heard this terminology is DIDs and verifiable credentials, right? And how you can do sovereign credentials that are user-owned. I just think that this space is so rich and nuanced. There's just so many different ways to kind of use this technology to... Uh, kind of support some of the systems in the traditional uh workspace right um right, right. and I, and and going to your to your point of like having your dot i remember i would say that my e n s domain was probably nFt number two or three for me. And so mm-hmm. I don't know how much of a degenerate I was because I, <laughs> if ENS was one of my first ones, I was doing something right. I want to think that's right,
1: right? Yes, because I saw yes. the
0: value in that. I, I again, just having this like state of mind about self-sovereignty, about identity, about how we can communicate or or or, or uh, reveal ourselves in this digital space. I re- the whole idea of having a, a domain a .eth address mm-hmm. that signals my identity in the space, I thought was really interesting and fun. And the community was like really animated and excited about what they were building. Yes. Of course, there was collectors and degenerates just collecting way too many of them. But right. <laughs> that is to me, one of, one of my uh, most proud moments is getting my ENS. And I think I got it for a hundred years. So I totally- Oh, commit. wow.
1: Yes. <laughs> I
0: totally. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big- you know, ENS Maxi when it comes to to yes. Mike early on. So coming into ENS, uh, taking on that role, give me a bit of a um, kind of an example of what did ENS look like when you were first coming in, right? Like what were the conversations that were happening? Obviously, I don't think that the DAO existed, uh, maybe didn't exist at the Actually. time that you came in. What did that look yeah. like? What were those conversations and how did those evolve to eventually be like, you know what? I think we need to be a DAO.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So actually, by the time that that I joined, the DAO had already been in existence for 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 I think six or seven months, right? So the DAO started in November of of twenty twenty one, and we just had the the year anniversary uh, with a little uh, internet party um, a couple a couple weeks ago. And then I joined in April May of of this past year, and. What happened in the organization is that uh, because you're, you're getting this massive organization off the ground, so much attention and dedication and time and effort was given into making sure that the DAO was 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 operating well, um, and and running on all on all cylinders. So that was the bulk of the the conversation. Um, you know when I when I was coming in, you know, how do we make sure that the DAO uh, keeps going? And then now we started turning towards, okay, how do we start to advance the protocol? And then how do we do outreach and bring in the normies and bring in the newbies um, into the system? So a lot of our conversations now, uh, the protocol has been operating for, for five years. The DAO was, was created and is running extremely well. And, and kudos to Alicia.Eth, um, who is our governance lead, who is spearheading that effort. She's a phenomenal leader um, in, that, in that space. So now we're thinking of how do we make the protocol better and how do we attract more users and attract more quality integrations?
0: Yeah. I think that's really the crux of it all at this point, isn't it? It's we have a pretty well established core of people that have been in the space. They truly believe in what it is that we're building here, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I think ENS certainly has been a leader in this space. I could probably count in two hands, maybe, to be fair to other projects. The ones (laughs) that I would say are, um, you know, just have been advancing in ways that are, um, you know, really about decentralization, about building with community, just with the right values, right?
1: Yes. Uh, ENS
0: certainly being one of them. How do you think, I don't know, maybe this is is too broad of a question, but what do you think it is Mm -hmm. that we're missing to really be able to spark interest, to be able to communicate some of these really complex things that we talk about in Web3, decentralization being one of them, Mm -hmm. so that others outside of our own ecosystem understand, oh, like, that makes sense. And I say this understanding that ENS is probably one of the best examples of doing that.
1: Mm Hmm. mm Hmm. Yeah, Humpty. So, just the the creation itself of a Web three domain that maps to a a cryptocurrency address, like that's a huge step, a tremendous step. Uh, Just like DNS system did for IP addresses, you know, we're we're providing that ease of use with human readable human readable names. One of the major challenges that we have right now, though, is I, I think coming up with finding out surfacing. Use cases that the world needs and the world can, can actually use. If those use cases do not exist, we're bringing people in to an environment where there's just a ton of speculation, a ton of degening going on, and just a lot of confusion, you know? So I, I think in our space, we, we, we have to start thinking about how do we create products, services, and on-ramps that have practical uses right now and today? You know, one of the best use cases right now are stable coins, being able to transact um, domestically, internationally, settle accounts quickly, you know, at the speed of the internet. Like that's a, that's a fantastic use case. Another is the digital identity. And that's, that's where, where we come in, you know, but staking your claim and establishing yourself on the internet and, and using your domain from, from property to, to property. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so one what are these use cases? We talked a little bit about credentials, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked about transacting value. What else is there? And I have a ton of ideas uh, about where, where we're, where we're going to go. Um, but those things have, have to be in place. And then now, those of us who are creating and, and leading protocols, there has to be some of us that are outward focused and thinking about the normies, thinking about the newbies, and thinking about how to change our language. <laughs> change how we talk about um, how we talk about these things so that it's accessible um, to the normie and the and the newbie but I do believe that the the first and best uh, step someone should take is getting a getting their, their ENS domain. You know before you, you enter into the space, get yourself a domain, get assigned an Ethereum address, uh, configure your ENS your Enes domain and then and then start using it. And so in the coming months, we are going to be be launching an initiative to, to really streamline the user journey, the customer journey for the newbie into this space.
0: I like that. I mean, that's exactly, I think, the unlock for this space into to start kind of like making this fun and interesting for people who don't understand or maybe don't value yeah. the idea of decentralization yet, right? Yeah. Maybe yes. for me, right. even when I first came in, the idea of decentralization wasn't why I came in here. I first came mm-hmm. in here purely as a speculator. I was like, oh, new asset class. Let me go ahead and play yes. this. Market. But as I, you know, as they say, had skin in the game, I realized, oh, look, honestly, there's some interesting conversations going on here Uh, Let me Mm -hmm. join those conversations, uh, be part of it, share my perspective, you know, from my part of the world, uh, you know, maybe other things that are influential to me. And then maybe through that, those conversations become a part of something bigger than myself. And I think think that there needs to be a like this initiative, this and this very intentional way of reaching out to people who are not here, not interested in the narratives currently at play. But making yeah, it right. so that it's fun and interesting to them, and then having that be the way that they learn about these conversations or become even more interested in them. You talked about right. digital it, identity being kind of that very, uh, sorry, uh, that being that like piece that like really for ENS is important to engage those members, those community members, those participants. How, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would say, firstly, two things to that. The first one, I have a friend who, his way of on ramping people or onboarding people to the space was by gifting them an ENS. So bravo to him. You might know who he is, Tony Herrera. Uh, He's been from the very early days, been one of the first that just like buys an ENS domain and gives it to someone as a gift. And that's the way that they learn about, you know, web three, crypto, whatever you want to call it. The other is, right. Like when we look at these alphanumeric uh, addresses, you know, and I think IP addresses are much easier to remember. When you look at the American <laughs> addresses as our public identity, that's impossible. Yeah. When you think about yeah. an ENS as something familiar, something fun, something about yes. ourselves, hopefully, uh, that then represents that, but also, you know, like I said, keeps it fun too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I love this aspect of our community and, and of our culture, the gifting aspect. So Kudos to Tony for doing that work. On our core team, we have validator.e, uh, you know, the the OG ENS Fairy, who is relentless about securing names and gifting them to, gifting them to people, you know, which I, I think is a it's just a, a fantastic thing to do. And again, something that I, I love about the ethos of our uh, of, of our community. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think I actually secured my wife kid's name. Uh, mm-hmm. and- NFTs number seven and eight. I did a little bit of degening between my ENS and then their ENS, but not too long afterwards. Because I definitely, look, the reason why I registered my domain for 100 years is because I wanted my ENS to outlive me. I wanted this idea Mm -hmm. of my ENS being that like uh, vault of who I was and my activities in this space and that my family at some future date can open that as a capsule and say, mm. "Look at everything that he did." I thought that really yeah. to me really clicked, and I was like, "That's important to me because of the uh, things that I'm going to be able to convey when I'm not here, right?" Right, and right. Re- and so the reason for creating their ENS was hopefully they thought it might be interesting. Obviously they're not geeks like me, but you know, and yeah. and so they have their own ENS secured as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's such a thing. That's I love that, Humpty. I, I love that. You know, you just made me think about uh, photo albums of, of days past, and how you would flip through your parents' photo albums and see all the the, the milestones of their lives, where they traveled to, and then your birth. You know, when, when you came around, you're flipping through the photo albums. So uh, having this this Enesta main on a, on a blockchain and thinking about having your children, your children's children's kind of scroll through um, and see your activities in the advent of POAPs, mm-hmm. right? Oh, my dad was here at this event during this time. Right. Yeah, that's that's another cool, really cool use case.
0: Yeah. So we're talking about ENS, we're talking about, you know, the DAOification mm-hmm. of the project, because it wasn't a DAO when it first came up. And it right. sounds like also when you came in, it was already a DAO. So walk me through right. the intention behind uh, ENS becoming a DAO, and kind of some of the some of the I guess from where it started to where it's at today, what are some of the things that have changed? What are some of the things that remain the same?
1: Yeah, yeah. So our founder, Nick Johnson, uh, had the intention and the vision of creating a, a protocol that outlives all outlives him, outlives all of us. And a protocol that can be used by the masses, indeed a, a public good. And um, one of the, the, the best ways to, I think, embody the values of the ecosystem is to, you know, give the protocol to a decentralized autonomous organization where you have the community um, caretaking, overseeing, governing, uh, stewarding this public good, this public resource over the decades and, and and centuries centuries to come. So I think this was a a key decision that really ensured the longevity and sustainability um, of this protocol. Mm-hmm. So where we where we are now is um, and, and as I mentioned uh, you know Alicia is a, a great job of 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 leading the charge here. We have three working groups uh, in in the DAO. There's the meta governance working group, the ecosystem working group, and then the, the public goods working group. So the metagovernance working group is very similar to, if you we were to look at the traditional world, the executive committee or the, the, the governance committee of, of a board, right? But it's responsible for overseeing the treasury management of the DAO, overseeing the DAO tooling, like what is the DAO tech stack? And then looking at policies, procedures, um, uh, programs, but how the DAO operates. So that's the meta governance um, committee. And there are stewards who are elected to be a part of that committee. Mm-hmm. Then you have the, the ecosystem committee and working group. And that working group oversees and watches the, the entire ENS ecosystem and tries to support um, projects founders who are building on top of on top of ENS, and then you have the the public uh, public goods work group, and this work group is responsible for supporting um, projects founders who are working on projects that benefit the entire e- Ethereum or Web three Web three space. So one of the the, um, the the projects that were recently uh, implemented was a small grants um, project where where every month uh, projects can submit um, applications uh, to the ecosystem working group to the public goods working group, and then all DAO members can go and vote on um, which projects should receive funding. Right, so a really democratic uh, process, distributed process to um, you know select the the projects that that the community um, believes best benefit the ecosystem and best benefit the the public um, the, the the broader public public goods. Mm-hmm. Tell me tell me
0: a little bit about this word public goods, right? Because I think we mm-hmm. he, I mean maybe I hear it more than most, so I don't want to assume other people do. So maybe describe to me what are public goods to you, just generally in terms of how you understand mm-hmm. them, the way that ENS perceives them, and how does this uh, working group uh, kind of seek to advance this idea of public goods through grants Mm -hmm. and maybe through some other initiatives?
1: Yeah. So the public goods, the mindset that you have when you think about it, um, these are uh, technologies that can benefit benefit humanity and that we believe everyone should have the ability to have access to. Um, And indeed, goods that should be supported um, by um, individuals, companies, organizations, governments, and sustained um, by them. So we believe that the the ENS domain, that that protocol should be something that isn't held tightly by a a particular corporation or for-profit corporation. Um, it should be something that is that is kept, stewarded, governed by the masses, right? Um, because we believe it's a tool that can help and aid onboard, you know, the the rest of the world to this space, and that can help them interact safely, securely, and in a simple fashion with uh, with with Web three. So, Humpty, it's sort of a, a mindset when you're looking at at this protocol. Like this is something that should be in service. To the masses, versus mm-hmm. in service to an individual or a particular, um, a, a small group of, mm-hmm. of people. That's kind of how I think about it. Yeah.
0: No, that's fantastic. I mean, I think I, I would agree. I think that you know, especially when we frame this from the from the context of VNS, I think absolutely this is a service that needs to be available for everyone uh, and to mm-hmm. support uh, the protocol. You know certainly, and if the protocol itself can support other ecosystem projects, even better, right? Um, right, right. So there have been a couple of proposals happening recently. Uh, by the time mm-hmm. that this gets published, I know we ta- we briefly talked about that, but by the time this gets published, it's going to be long uh, concluded. Tell me a yes. little bit about the intention behind the current proposal, which. Seeks to, if I understand correctly, select someone to manage the funds of the ENS endowment.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So the uh, the the ENS DAO, all of the revenues from domain sales go to the ENS DAO, and over the last couple years, there've just been a tremendous amount of value value created, Um, ETH and and USD, in the ENS DAO treasury, and so the meta governance. Working group responsible for the treasury uh, you know came to the conclusion that we need to have some way to safeguard the assets, grow the assets if, if possible, mm-hmm. but use it in a more responsible way, and not just have it sit there um, in in the multi-sig and in, in wallets. So in the traditional world, when you have large amounts of, of assets, you know there, there are treasury operations that can seek to allocate your assets in, in stocks, bonds, real estate, et cetera.
0: So why don't you tell me about some of the proposals that have recently gone up to uh, to the ENS DAO? And really, one of these we've talked about, by the time that this episode goes live, it's probably going to already be concluded. But at least for context, the proposal seems to be around uh, finding a fund manager to manage the funds of the DAO. So yes. can you please explain, maybe from the front's point of view, what funds the DAO has, and then the intention behind having someone manage those funds?
1: Yes, certainly, certainly. So the vote is on selecting an ENS endowment fund manager. Uh, so structurally, the way it worked is that the metagovernance working group uh, responsible for the treasury decided that they wanted to make sure that the funds were, that we were responsibly using the funds. Um, over the last couple of years, as you may have seen with the, the tremendous growth with, with ENS domain sales, um, a lot of revenue has been generated. And we didn't want the, all those funds to just sit there. So uh, what can we do to make sure that those funds are being used, safeguarded in a... Responsible, responsible fashion. So, in the traditional world, you will have fund man- managers. You will have nonprofit organizations that create endowments, where the interest and the revenues from those endowments are used to fund operations. Right. So that was one of the one of the reasons why they decided to to um, create to, to look for a treasury uh, fund manager. And so there was a process where. Where uh, there was an RFP, and the meta-governance working group interviewed several um, fund managers, uh, whittled the number down to three, and these three went to a public vote. So you're seeing a lot of conversation happening in the forum, in the DAO forum. You're seeing a lot of conversation happening in Twitter, mm-hmm. but the community is trying to wrap their heads around, um, How should a DAO? Um, engage in fund management, and you know what fund manager should we should we use? Mm-hmm. And so I, I know people are doing a lot of studying, and, and the delegates are trying to wrestle and figure out: okay, what is what is really the best the best path here to again safeguard the safeguard the funds and use them in a in a responsible responsible way? Um, what's What's great about this right now is that in contrast to some of what we've seen out. In the media these last couple of weeks, weeks, like, this is a very open and transparent process that, you know, everyone can see. It's a public vote. It's a public debate. Um, and that's one of the, the beauties of the doubt.
0: Yeah. And for, again, just for context, so anybody listening who doesn't know maybe what we're talking about, uh, in the last two weeks, there has been uh, a lot of fallout from centralized organizations, really kind Mm of uh, managing people's monies without their permission, right? Because this was not uh, necessarily uh, what was agreed, at least what some people agreed upon when they first put their funds in a centralized exchange. And Mm -hmm. now these organizations are just going away because they don't have the funds both for their uh, customers, but also they don't have the funds uh, to continue operations themselves. So the difference, it sounds like, is Look, there is a need to be able to manage funds. Now these funds are not necessarily uh funds of other people, but there's a funds of the DAO and in, in order for it to operate, let's put it out to the community to a be transparent about this choice that we're making,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but two, to also participate in the conversation about how we come up with, you know, that decision, whether it's should yes. these individuals be the ones that lead uh this effort or I think there was an option that none of these people should be none
1: members.
0: of them yeah right. so so the last snapshot page that when i the last time i visited the snapshot page, w- page where the vote is happening it seemed like there were individuals leading and not the action of no action right um so i'm not quite sure hang on let me let me figure out what i want to ask here right because i don't want to i don't yes. want to, your 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 kind of sense of who these people are and why should we elect them but Tell me a little bit about the way that you arrived at these three individuals being mm-hmm. the potential or organizations being the potential fund managers for the DAO.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there was, I was not directly involved in the in the vetting that was the, the meta-governance group comprised of stewards that were elected by the DAO and Mass. Mm-hmm. But some of the things that they were, I, I know that they were looking for or experience, um, cost, familiarity with DAOs and, and Web3. Um, yeah, so those were, were some of the things that, that they, were, that they were, were looking at.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I did see the names there, and I think for the most part, at least in the conversations that I read in the forum, it seems like these individuals uh, have that type of experience, right? And it's wonderful mm-hmm. to see uh, that these individuals are rising to the call from organizations like ENS to say, that's a role that we want to take on. That's something that we have uh, and, you know, a background in and have a good track, or, uh, track record of doing. So I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see how that works. I guess to start yeah. wrapping it up, why don't you, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about like what you see ENS in the next five years. I know it's really difficult yeah. in crypto where things constantly are changing, but in a perfect mm-hmm. world, what does ENS look like in five years?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Humpty, again, we we do see ENS as a foundational protocol for the Internet of the future. Uh, I should say for the Internet of today and the Internet of the future. You know, it's a foundational protocol for Web three and has inspired many other uh, domain services as as well. But we do see ourselves as as the leader, and we see ourselves as the, an organization that will be the on ramp and the gateway to onboard the rest of the world into Web three and all the fun that we're we're having here. Right. So you know you talked about uh, ENS being a public good and uh, a service that everyone should have. You know, so ENS could stand for the Everyone Name Service. Mm-hmm. So over the next next year. We're going to have a campaign to attract the normies and the, and the newbies, right, to onboard them in a way that's safe, secure, and simple. And the first step that they should take, I believe, is getting an ENS domain. You know, over the last couple of weeks with the, with the fallout, I'm sure you saw what happened with a, a major centralized exchange that sent 320,000 e, hmm. I believe. To the wrong address. That would not happen, right, if they were using a human readable name. Because I'm I'm sure what happened, a controller, VP of finance, possibly the CFO, yeah, clicked on an alphanumeric number, right? It looked right. It was on their whitelist, you know, copy, pasted, put it over, press send. Right. If they were using a human readable name, you know, this type of error would not happen. And so the, the ENS domain provides for that, that safety and simplicity in transferring value. So over the next year, we're, we're, we're really going to want to be the place, the location, the on-ramp for the normies to get into, into Web3. Right. So, so that's over the next year, you'll, you'll definitely see that. And over the next couple of years, increasing the number of integrations that that we have and high quality integrations. So you may have seen over the last month um, Coinbase um, release and announce their integration with, with ENS. And their integration is under a different domain, CB.id, which is powered by by ENS. So that's one of, another one of the um, sort of the the, the tricks of, of ENS, that there are many DNS names that you can convert to have the same type of functionality and power as an ENS domain, like your .com, um, your .art, your .xy, .xyz. So, increasing those uh, the quantity and quality of integrations. And my hope is that we can get into the Web two space, particularly with the Web two social media companies, and help them, <laughs> right? Help them get involved and get into the space in a in a, in a responsible in a responsible way, um, and you know, and bring them over into the, the Web three space. Yeah, And looking out into, into the future, Humpty, I, I think any internet-connected device that has a serial address, MAC address, IP address, should have a human-readable name, right? So we can think about ENS being the everything name service <laughs> coming up in the next five years or so. Mm-hmm. So starting with Ethereum name service, moving to an everyone name service, right? And then moving over to everything name service. And making sure everything is connected and named.
0: Yeah, let's not forget that ENS has subdomains, right? So that's right. We can definitely branch out from there the same way that traditional domains work. Where mm-hmm. if I have a domain, right, which I do, um, I can then stem all of my devices into that domain, right? So there's some sort of connection mm-hmm. as well, and. Um as much as I would like to buy a domain name for all of my devices, uh <laughs> it might be a bit prohibitive, but I like the idea of, you know, the subdomain structure that's available as well. Yes. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. And you may have heard that our our name wrapper um upgrade to the protocol is coming on board uh, very soon, very very soon. And this is the way for you to be able to to control to distribute um to free your subdomains mm-hmm. so that you can hand it out to other people and they can use it in a trustless fashion.
0: Oh, that's cool. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Because I, yeah, yeah. for my business uh, ENS domains, I did give uh, a couple of sub- subdomains to uh, collaborators, contributors, and mm. I would love for that. Uh, to be a bit more self sovereign for them as well. So that's really yes, interesting.
1: Yes, there you go. Interesting. There you go. Yeah.
0: All right, wonderful. Well, the last question that I normally ask here is you know, is there someone, something that has been very influential to you? It could be a person on crypto Twitter, it could be a book that you've read. Um, what or who has been very influential in your own crypto journey?
1: Great question. Um, influential in, in my crypto journey. I think there are a lot of thinkers, uh, philosophers out there that are pushing the envelope in terms of what can be and, and what's possible. You know, I think most recently, I was very inspired by the network state and um, biology's writings. You know? And I think this is another area where ENS can play a very significant role in working with municipalities, towns, states, even countries, right, in supporting payments, identity, uh, you name it. But there's, there's so much possible. And as we all like to say, we are early. Um, but those of us who are engaged right now in the community, creating, developing, you know, we, we have a, a huge opportunity to build the future um, for, for folks.
0: And that's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Corey and ENS, you can find them on Twitter at Corey Whittaker and ENS Domains, respectively. And as usual, please don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast. It definitely helps us out a lot. And give us a five-star review as well. It helps us to reach and connect to people like yourself to be able to access this content as well. And if you want to listen to more conversations like this one, please go to our website at cryptosapiens.xyz. Until next time, stay brainy.